Welcome back to the Talking Footy podcast. Each week across the footy season, we are talking with the biggest names in the game. I'm Brad Sewell, and forgive me if I get a little bit off track today, as I got the chance to catch up with a good mate of mine, Luke Hodge, of course, four-time Premiership Hawk, three as captain, a couple of Norm Smith, there's not much he hasn't done. In this podcast with Hodgie, we discuss what he's learnt from football, what it's been like working with Clarko, and we chat in depth about his leadership style. As I got older, the more I matured, the more I was a bit more lenient. But don't worry, if, if I thought someone was a bit lazy or didn't do the right thing because they put themselves first, that's when they probably got the biggest break. Luke finds himself in an unfamiliar position. With the Hawks out of the finals and his playing days officially behind him, I was lucky enough that he found some time to sit down and have a chat. We're talking footy. Hodgie, it's nice to finally catch up and thanks for joining us. Hello, Bradley. Thanks how, for having me. How does it feel being on the other side of the fence? Uh, to be honest, it still feels the same. Um, I guess you, everyone sort of thinks as soon as you retire, you're there. You flick a switch and all of a sudden you're unemployed. <laughs> um, I am going to go down to Centrelink on Monday. But, um, now, I think it's been the same as it has the last few years. We, um, you obviously do the, the end of season stuff with the, with, with the teammates and I, I didn't go to the meetings this year. Clarko probably, nice. probably didn't want me in um, just in case I stole some of the ideas or the focuses <laughs> for next year. Um, but yes, but it was the same process of, of other years. I go home and help look out, look after the kids and, and be a husband and yep. do all the, the nine to five stuff that you normally do uh, to try and help um, wife and the kids out and the younger fellas go off on holidays over, th- over through Europe. So yeah. As far as to this stage, footy's still going. Um, I've still been exercising, which is a rarity. Um, but at this stage, it feels the same. It's probably more so November, December, January, when all the boys are running around yeah. uh, doing pre-season. That, that'll probably feel a bit different then. We'll touch on that um, in a little bit more. But first of all, why football for you? Grew up in Colac. <laughs> I you didn't were... have much else to go. <laughs> well, well you're, you're a very good cricketer as well, so they say. And you certainly told us how good a cricketer you were, <laughs> mucking around at the club. But why? What was it about football as opposed to cricket that drew you to the game? Um, I, I think it was a pathway growing up in in the country. You um you don't do much apart from sport. Uh, I spent a lot of time footy, cricket, basketball, um, running around with mates. Uh, so as soon as you finished school, I was off doing um, some form of sport um, to entertain your your, your weekdays and weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess as I went older, I remember uh, my family was a big Richmond team, um, massive Richmond supporters. And it was t- I think it was about round three or four, 1995, uh, I went down with dad and pa to watch Richmond play north. Yep. Um, and we got in there late because of the traffic. We underestimated how bad the traffic was on a Friday night. And um, and yeah, I guess sitting there, Richmond beat north. North were a great team in the 90s. And to hear the... 70 or 70 odd thousand Richmond supporters singing the singing the theme song afterwards yeah. and I think just that atmosphere th- was something that I, I really want to go and play football um, and then from that it was just a pathway that luckily yeah. we had a few guys before me um, sort of went through it Amon Buchanan was a couple yep. years ahead of me um, so we had a bit of a pathway through the John Falcons to, to get to Hawthorne yeah and a phenomenal pathway as well and, and we certainly played a little bit of football um, under 16s of country together and I remember your first game having played a couple of games with you beforehand, you were number one uh, recruit and your first game was against Richmond. Yep. And I've just got this vivid recollection of you wrestling, I think Brad Ottens. Brad Ottens, yes. Uh, yeah, it was, not sure what I was thinking. Um, you, were, you, were, you were in 17 at the time. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Um, I guess 
well, you, everyone who grew up in the in the country, you always played at a, a grade high. So when you're 12, you're playing under 17s. When you're 15, you're playing seniors. Yep. Um, so you're always playing against bigger, stronger guys. Uh, and I remember from a young age, dad and uncles who I played with, uh, played with always said, look, don't let older guys push you around. Mm. Said stick up for them whether you can beat them or not, just stick up against them. And I, I guess that was the mindset. I mean, Brad Ottens was trying to take me to the goal square because obviously he's got a fair bit of height and, <laughs> and strength on me. And I thought, well, at least if I'm wrestling him, he's not going to take me to the goal square and get the ball. So um, it worked out that way. But yeah. um, I, I, I remember wrestling Glenn Archer in my second or third year yeah. and I was panicking. I'm thinking, <laughs> if I let go here, he's going he's gonna to throw one or ragdoll me or do something. Yeah. So um, I guess it was just sort of how I was, I was brought up. I mean, you grew up around men by the sounds of it. Junior football, you were playing against men in senior football and then um, you certainly went backwards in coming forward when you first came into the AFL. Did, did that develop some of your leadership traits early on? Um, yeah, I think so. Playing in... Uh, with older guys, I guess you just followed what they did. Um, if they would talk, they'd give direction, they'd give advice. Um, and all of a sudden, if you saw older guys doing it, and yep. that's who you wanted to be like. So that's where I guess I started with a lot of voice. So I remember in my first year, um, I was probably just as directive as, as now, probably not as vocal, but um, if I saw something, I'd, I'd be more than happy to say something. Because I guess early on, I understood footy. Um, yeah. I guess the professional side of things, I took a long time to develop for me. Um, but as far as on-field, I guess the, the growing up with uh, the senior guys yeah, definitely helped. Yeah, we, we won't touch on it for long, but there's certainly some traits that you bought from the country into the AFL environment that took you a little while to sort of iron out of your game. Yeah, I guess when we first went through, it was the, it was the professional side of things where football had really changed. Yep. It went from that knock around in the 90s, um, have a beer after a game, to obviously the ultra-profession ultra professional like a, a Shane Crawford or when Andrew mm -hmm. Russell came really tried to drive the standards and I guess we came through at that time where as you said I spent a lot of time with the, the senior guys and that was to have a beer after a game or, or something I guess that's what I carried through into the yeah. early years um, which was a real shock when Andrew Russell got there because obviously that's I, I didn't know any better growing up I, I, so, so in, in the country you never really heard of a dietitian you didn't yeah. really you sort of as long as you ran and paid well and got a kick that was the main thing so um, it did take me a long time to understand what you needed to do off the field to make sure you could play consistent football on the field. Yeah, and, and knowing what you know now, how would you have handled or how would you have managed a younger Luke Hodge coming into the system? Um, I guess I'd probably follow people that, that I wanted to follow. I guess you'd, you'd probably aim to hang around the guys who, I guess, led the who lived, lived the, and breathed football. Yeah. Um, anyone who would want to either go out on a Saturday night or something, I'd probably go towards them because it's the blokes who you want to hang around with. Um, if I had my time again, you'd probably pick a bloke like a, a Croft, who was a prime example, who yeah. Mitch pretty much copied, copied what Croft did. Yeah. Um, if I could tell my younger self, I'd be following yeah the, the professional guys just to try and learn stuff off them because there's so much stuff that older guys do that they take for granted. Like the stuff that um, I do now, um, which... Sort of stuff that I think is boring. You give information to the younger guys, they think yep. it's gold because they've never really heard it before. So yep. if I did have my time again, I'd, I'd be following around the ultra-professional guys just to make sure that I could learn little bits off them quicker than what I, what I did the first time around. Yeah. Hawthorne have always had a, a really strong lineage of leaders and you touched on Croft and then it was Vanders and then Mitch and yourself and, and now Ruffy. What's your what's your recollection of, of those, I guess, formative years of, of Hawthorne from you know, 2005? You know, through um, to the really successful years with Fanders and, and, and with Mitch? 
Um, I guess when Clarko was appointed, he was a very stern person, Clarko, and he realised that our professionalism wasn't up to scratch. Um, I guess our mindset, as far as a team mindset, probably wasn't there. Blokes yep. were more worried about what they were getting paid or getting as much money as they can and getting a kick himself rather than having team success. I guess that's what it showed on the football field as well. Um, so having Vanders, I guess he was almost like, um, I wouldn't say mini Clarko because you won't get much more than Clarko, <laughs> but uh, he was probably Clarko's right-hand man as far as he needed almost like an army, I guess. Yeah. Vanders would be the, I guess, the general who would tell the blokes what to do um, yeah. and just making sure that the... I guess the discipline side of things really improved the professional side of things and I guess the mindset to play as a team really changed when, when Clarko got there and putting Vanders in charge was, was a good idea. And so it's all very good and well to talk about that mindset as a team and um, uh, I guess the army-like regime, but, but how do you actually do that just to unpack some of Hawthorne's success? How, how, did, how did we, how did Hawthorne go from being you know, cellar dwellers to creating this phenomenal sort of dynasty? Uh, I think Kokoda had a lot to do with it because obviously over there, uh, it's five days of people going to Kokoda with the walks just to understand what they obviously the troops went through. Yep. Um, was it 60, 70 years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, we went over there for a different reason. Um, obviously, we got the educational side of things, but it was more of a grind, more of a five days of getting up early, walking, carrying logs, carrying sandbags, um, with on top of that your 20 kilo pack as well. Yep. I think it was a way there for Clark. I could really sort of see who's going to look after himself and who's going to bond together. Um, And I guess it started, it was just preaching from Clarko, from Vanders, from Andrew Russell, that everything you do is for one another. So over there was the, who was, I guess it was the mindset who could bond together in a tough situation. And then when when we got back, it was small little steps of, if someone makes a mistake, don't punish him, punish the group. Just so you know that on the footy field, it's not the one person. If you go against team rules, it's not the one person who gets penalised, it's everyone. Yeah. So if someone made a mistake, everyone would be down the beach. Uh, if if someone skin folds were too high, well then the bloke either side of him, because you're letting them down as well, they'll go down the beach. So it was more of a mindset that it's not it's not about you, it's, it's a bigger picture of the team. And how long does that take to instill within the group in your view? I think it changes. Every year that blokes go in and out of football club, the culture changes. Um, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And that's what's got to continue to change. So Hawthorne's had a massive change the last four years with new blokes coming in from other teams, mm-hmm. um, older senior guys who probably drove the standards, yourself, Mitch, Louie, a lot of the guys through um, the last few years have left. We're now relying on the younger guys to come up. So it took it took a long time for the blokes to understand, but it continues to change and you need blokes continually to believe in the, the, the I guess the trademark they call it, call it or, or the culture because it's, it doesn't take that much to fall. Once you get blokes in there that start to think of themselves and, and I guess put themselves before the team, it's going to turn, it's going to go downhill very quickly. It's an incredibly challenging situation to, to know that and to eyeball some of your good mates to let them know that what they're doing isn't good enough or that's not what we expect. Are there any conversations or moments that stick out in your mind that were particularly challenging or, or uncomfortable? Um, yeah, I guess I've had a couple, had a couple with Vanners early on um, because I'll, I'll probably say that I was probably one of the issues yep. early on just with the, the countryside of me who would like to go and socialise with mates from, from Colac. Mm-hmm. When he was trying to instil this, this, this culture, um, he grabbed me a few times and said, mate, we need you to, to pull up here. We need you to, to come with us rather than go against us. Yeah. Um, and so a few discussions with him, and you know what Vanders is like. He um, 
he calls a spade a spade, um, <laughs> which I guess that's, I'm, I'm like that. I'd prefer blokes to be honest rather than sugar-coated as yeah. well. But he, um, he was telling you something you didn't want to hear at yeah. that point in time too. Yeah, it, it was it was a, back to what we were sort of saying, putting the team before yourself, um, picking up on my professionalism and that kind yeah. of stuff. But I was a 20-year-old kid who wanted to have fun in Melbourne and, and enjoy with my mates, mm-hmm. um, what, what my mates were, out having yeah. fun. Um, but I guess Vanders and Clarko and Andrew Russell had the bigger picture in mind. Uh, and as a young um, kid, you just want to play footy. Yeah, that's all it was. It was out there having a kick with your mates, living the dream that you were that you wanted as, as you grew up. Um, <clears throat> but after a while, and after Vanders, and then Mitch um, continued to work on me, and Mitch really helped, uh, and and yourself, rooming with you for seven years, definitely, <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely helped with professionalism as well. Um, but Mitch was really good as far as giving me responsibility in the leadership group yeah. when, I, when I was vice captain under him. He would have, an issue would come up and he'd say, well, how would you deal, how would you handle this? So he'd give me, I guess, the, the practice of, of doing it while I was still vice captain. Mm. Sometimes you'd say, yep, that's correct. Sometimes you'd mm. say, no, mate, that's wrong. Oh, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. Um, but once you have buy-in, once you feel like you're a part of setting the culture or, or a part of the group, uh, heading, or help, helping the direction of the group, yeah. it makes you come along as well. And I think that's why leaderships groups are spread out now and they've got emerging leaders and they give as much responsibility to all the players because the more players you have pushing in the one direction, the better the culture is, the better the group's going to be. Yeah. Was that, was that a, difficult, um, a difficult experience, I guess? Mitch being your peer but was the captain and he's almost your mentor or almost um, you know, trying to help develop your leadership skills at the same time? Um, when we... When we first, with the, we were first nominated as co-captains from the players, <coughs> Jeff Kennett quickly squashed that um, in Jeff's way of, you got a, there's a room over there, you've got two minutes to go and decide who's captain. <laughs> um, but in that meeting, we sort of sat back and we obviously said that Mitch is the right person at the job. I still had to work in a lot of areas, professionalism, yeah. probably the main one. Um, but Mitch had sort this, of- This would have been about 2007. This was 2007. pre-season 2007. Yeah. So it was December maybe. Yep. Um, November, December, January of, of uh, 08. No, yeah, of 08, yeah. Um, and that's where we were sort of, we sat back and sort of said, Mitch is the right person. But Mitch, I remember his comments, he was sort of saying that, well, I'll, I'll have the role until you're prepared or you're ready to take it. And I guess his mindset then was, he's going to do as much as he can to help me. And that sometimes it's going to be tough love. Sometimes it's going to be a cuddle and a guide. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, I think his, his role over the, the next three years obviously was to play good footy, lead the football club, but I felt like he was there to guide me as well with it the, in any way he could. Yeah. And I guess through that guiding process, um, Clarko was, uh, I guess, the one paving the way to a certain extent as well. What are some of your, what are some of your recollections in terms of some of the conversations you'd had with Clarko um, in trying to develop your leadership and at what point in time is there a singular moment where it kind of where the penny dropped for you um not really because i think you always you always learn um i think one of my biggest um areas of improving as a, as a leader as a captain was in 2012 um what that was my second year mm-hmm. it was when i was injured i had my pc i was out uh, PCL was out for for majority of the year i played 10 games and they were coming for you hard weren't they there was, there was some public uh, um, criticism or there's some questions about your ability and capabilities? Yeah, it was more the fact that I think Mike Chain and, and a few others just sort of said that I don't know if he could get back to his yep. um, the, the football he could play in the past. He's battered his body for 10 years. Um, is he going to be able to with a, 
with how the game's going, how quick the game is, is mm-hmm. he going to be able to back up and continue to do what he get, um, what he has done in the past? Mm-hmm. But while, while I was out for the, the 15 weeks, I remember I came down after a game and I obviously give feedback to try and help out. And football's a lot easier watching from the, from the, stands, <laughs> from the stands. If you see someone who misses a kick, and especially from the coach's box, because you're on level two, you're looking down, you can see the whole ground. Yeah. Um, you can see a bloke who's 30 metres free um, 40 metres away from the person who's got the ball. When you've got the ball, it's not as easy. And I remember some of my feedback was probably the old Levanus style of, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you chase a bloke 40 metres to help out? And it was pretty upfront how yep. I'd given it. And because I hadn't played for hadn't played for majority of the year, I was almost forgetting how it was as a player. Hmm. Um, and I remember Louis grabbed me afterwards and just sort of said, mate, you need to ease up on, on the feedback you give. He goes, yeah, yeah, you're upfront, you're honest, but footy's not as easy as it looks from up there. And from from that, I think I, I'm more every time I gave feedback, or most of the time I gave feedback, I was trying to think what the person with the ball had. Yeah. And once you put yourself in that position, you do have a, a few outs for them, whether they didn't see a person or the reason why he didn't run 50 meters because he laid three tackles in the last bit of play and mm-hmm. was absolutely exhausted. Um, so having a little bit of sympathy and, and I guess putting your, yourself in the person with the ball's hands. Um, it, it calms and gives you, gives them a little bit of an out, and yeah. you're probably not going to be as ruthless as, as what you were if you're looking <laughs> back at on level two, looking down at the MCG, yeah. um, seeing everything unfold. And, and you're naturally one of those guys that, that sees the game quite well, and so I'd imagine, or well, I know it, it, it must be frustrating when the ball doesn't go where it should go, or you, you're seeing options that other guys don't, and that, that that was a challenge for you to sort of wind that back a little bit. Yeah, or you might have copped a couple of bakes from me when I was off the <laughs> more than a couple <laughs> off the halfback line. Um, but I think that I think that comes with maturity. I think in anything you do, whether it's sport, whether it's life, whether it's work, mm-hmm. you mature at different stages, and you 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 I guess you become more understanding for people that are coming through, whether they're younger, whether they're just learning the game, yep. whether they're playing different positions. So many different factors are coming into blokes that are playing football these days. Uh, and yes, you can see the fault, especially across half back. You can see the game. You can see who's free, who's not pushing, who's not um, squeezing the tackle. Mm-hmm. You, you sort of see everything unfolding. Um, but I think as I got more, as I got older, the more I matured, the more I was a bit more lenient. If blokes, as I said, was sort as I said, given an, an out, I guess at yeah. times. But don't worry if if I thought someone was a bit lazy or didn't do the right thing because they put themselves first. That's when they probably got the biggest bake. Um, not that you ever did that, Bradley, but <laughs> sometimes I was just genu- genuinely frustrated. But um, yeah. but I think most of the time now you, you give a serious spray or, or let them know that you're not happy with them when they're doing things against the team rules because everyone's going to make mistakes, yeah. whether it's a kick, whether it's a missed tackle. Everyone makes it. It's human error. It's going to happen. But it's when they put themselves before the team is when you probably get angry and let them know very openly what your thoughts are. Because we've got those numbers here. Yeah. When we get that switch, we want the run coming from behind. Yeah. So what do you do with that 50 stoppage? Huh? Did you have someone? Uh, I think it was a forward there, span out. You stay with him. You stopped his heels there. You go with him. You touched on it before in terms of coming into the game and when professionalism was kind of going through its transition compared to now the kids coming into the game. How do you temper that feedback or, you know, the giving a spray to some of those kids that are coming in now that are just, they're completely different personalities? They are. Um, I guess when we went through, it was a um, yeah, like it or so yo. Survival of the fittest almost, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, if you don't like it, then go and find another job. This, mm. is, this is a tough game. Mm. Uh, as you, how, how the generation comes through now, it's a lot more give them a cuddle, make sure you're there to support them. If they continually do the wrong thing, yep. um, 
yeah, you let them know. But first of all, it's, I guess the, the old change of Ben Dixon, I can said three words to him in my, in my first year. Um, he turns out to be MC at our wedding and, and good mates now. Um, but back then it was prove a point before or speak when you're spoken to. Yeah. Right now. So it's earn your stripes. Almost, earn your stripes, it? yeah. It's, it's the old school way. What has changed um, with the professionalism is also that the team first is how can we help this person make our team better? Brad Hill's a perfect example. Brad Hill, if he had a, came through and we did, there's no way he would have played in three premierships at Hawthorne. Um, he would have gone back to Perth early. He's gone back to Perth, but yeah. there's a premiership player. Yeah. Um, he would. The change was is as soon as a young pal is drafted, you send him a message. Hey, mate, looking forward to training with him. Uh, make him feel a part of the group. As soon as they fly in, you'll try and get a senior bloke to go and pick him up. Try and get him to stay at their house. Yeah. Um, it's almost as like a, a father figure for the young guys coming through or an older brother who you're there to help. Um, you pick them up from training, you'll teach them what to do, what not to do. Mm-hmm. Back then it was like when they start playing, they prove a point, then I might give them a hand. Yeah. Um, it, it's changed a lot. And I think that's why footy clubs are so professional these days. Young young kids come in and you look at the McGrath from Essendon, he's such an elite kid. But I think I think the, the, the culture of a footy club has really helped him just come in and play natural football. Um, because he, he, someone who's just moved, it's a smooth transition going from school footy into AFL like he's done. Yeah. We've seen the game change so much and predominantly a lot of it has been under Clarko's tutelage um, and the Hawthorne University per se. Yeah. What have been some of your strongest, I guess, life learnings from that uh, you know, Clarko and that Hawthorne University? Um, it's sort of hard that I guess the biggest thing is everyone makes mistakes um, and you, you can't shoot someone for making a mistake it's it's got to be as long as they learn from it and mm-hmm. I've made plenty of, I've played, made plenty of mistakes um, but the times that you'd think Clark would come down on you is when the times that he'll give you a cut on and say hey mate look, everyone makes errors yeah um, the times where you think he's been a bit harsh is when you'll probably ram home the fact that you need standards you need to be respectful um, <clears throat> so the biggest thing from him from what I've learned from him is that people are going to make mistakes, but how do you learn from them? Don't make the same mistake twice, otherwise he will go hard at you. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the, the main things that I've... And that sort of gives you... It gives sympathy to other people as well when they make the error. Yeah. It's just giving them a chance to, to learn from it themselves. Yeah. You've always been a, such a competitive beast um, on and off the field, whether it's uh, you know obviously playing football or you know basketball, table tennis, whatever it might be. <laughs> where, where does that come from? Um, I... Growing up the country, playing against older blokes. I had cousins who I was very competitive with, yep. um, whether it was backyard cricket. Um, cousin who I used to play basketball in his backyard. Pete, you've met him yeah, many, yeah. many times. Yeah, yeah. And he was always three years older than me, so getting bullied by him a fair <laughs> bit. It was amazing when I got to 15. I got, so you think because you were bullied means you can bully well, everyone people, else yeah, around yeah. you, is that right? Pass, pass it on. <laughs> I said, if you get hit on the footy field, pass it yeah. on to the next bloke. Um, I think that's where the competitive, competitiveness come from, yep. came from. Um, I said it was amazing when, when I got to 15 Pete when I got Pete's size and started beating me he stopped wanting to play basketball I, I never knew why um, but it, it was also the older fact of when you're 12 as I said earlier you're playing under 17s yep. and you're playing against blokes three or four times your age so you've yep. got to be competitive if you're not competitive you won't last long yep. uh, and that was the same with playing basketball uh, when you're 15 you're playing in the, in the men's league you've yep. got to be stand up against the bigger guys yep. um, so I've, I've pretty much done it my whole life and I guess that's why I'm so competitive. I've handled losing a lot better than I used to as a kid. Yeah. I remember mum warning me I'd never play basketball again if I spat the dummy like I used to. And and the <laughs> tennis court, I, I did spit the dummy a few times there. Yeah, so yeah. I think I've handled losses a lot better 
as I've got older. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if I'll ever lose the competitiveness. Um, when you're out there, it, it's it's just something that the thrill of playing, playing football, the thrill of playing sport, yeah, um, is something that yeah, it's hard to it's hard to make up for. It's certainly a thrill of playing football, but you seem to go to another level in big games, in finals, in grand finals. The thrill of the big stage. Why is that? What, what was it about finals or a grand final that all of a sudden you you, you did something extra? Um, I think it's because you, you leave nothing out there. I think throughout the year, I've probably had to, at games, either play a different role or because um, my body would struggle to get through 22 games um, if I if I played yep. all of them to the nth degree of, of, a, of a final or a la, or a grand so final. So home and away, you're just in third or fourth gear and then you'd... Uh... Certain games you'd obviously pick up for, yep. but there's but the Kaika was really good, well, really good with how he balanced. He always made sure that you were prepped up and ready to go for big games. So if that means playing at halfback, if that means giving you a rest, if that means you're spending more time on the bench... Mm-hmm. Um, so you, so you are fresher for, for the end of the season. He sort of handled my body, him and Andrew Russell handled my body and the physios um, really well towards the end of my career. Yep. Um, but I guess it's the mindset is everyone everyone knows in, in a grand final, it's if you've got to run back with a flight, if you've got to put your head in the hole, you, you're not playing next week. So you do everything you can mm-hmm. to make sure either one, you perform as good as you can and for two, try and get your team to win. Did you, did you have a different routine or did you approach those games differently besides it being a, a leave everything out there game? Um, no, I tried to keep it the same. Um, the biggest thing I, I learned early, I think it was about 2008, I can probably tell you it was uh, July 25 against the Cats, round yeah. 17. This yeah. was the day before Cook was born. Yeah, we played Geelong, and I tried to do too much. Yep, uh, turn the ball in the last quarter four or five times. Yep, um, and from that I, I learned that don't be a hero. You don't have to be a hero. You don't try and do things yourself. Just do the simple things well. And mm-hmm. I guess it's been a terminology at the footy club for a, for a number of years. Yeah, uh, at times you still go back, and we've still made the mistakes in in 2012 Grand Final. We made a few mistakes, um, but consistently, I think over the last few years in big games, we've done the simple things well and mm-hmm. I think that's what you've in big games if you put yourself in that position enough times to do the right thing you're going to win Yeah. Um, and we, we obviously stumbled a few times in the 11 prelim in the 2012 grand final but consistently over the last few years our team has, yeah. has been really good at that four premierships five grand finals um, do you have a favourite? I know one the one I don't like as much yeah. 2012 <laughs> clearly <laughs> um Oh, they all have different different emotions. Um, you look at 2008, we were a young team, a young team who no one expected us to win apart from us. Um, Geelong were the best team throughout the year, no doubt at all, mm-hmm. but we were the best team going in through the finals. I think we beat West Coast by 60-odd, beat Carlton by 60-odd when Bud kicked his 100th. Yeah. And then we had 50 points against St Kilda, I mm-hmm. think, uh, 50-odd points against the Doggies. So going into it, we were, we were in great form. Young kids up and about. Yeah. Rioli and Enright. Taylor, bloody runs him down. Hawthorne, the champions. The long wait for Crawford over. What a team on and off the field they've turned out to be. What a feeling for you. Oh, mate, this is sensational. 
uh, for the boys to come out here. Simon been in the prime team for the last two years, and which is the way the boys stuck to the, stuck to the game plan. It was just super effort. So what's going through your mind at the moment, mate? Oh. Did, just oh, tell us what it's like to win a premiership. Oh, mate, I don't know. I've still got goosebumps on hands. I just seen the boys how excited they are. It's, mate, we started this four years ago, and it's just what we've come to now. It's just a super team effort. And mate, look, look at the youth of the boys. It's only more maturing for us to do. So just looking forward to the future. Oh, I'll let you get back in there, mate. Go on your hudgy. Thanks, mate. So that was just special, the fact that we actually um, achieved our goal. Mm -hmm. um, but then to have a few years of disappointment, 2013 was all, I guess it was redemption from the 11 and 12. Yeah. And I guess disappointment drives me. Um, after a shock in 2009, I had a good year in 2010 just because how disappointed I was with our, t our effort, but yeah. also um, my effort in 2009. And then disappointment from 12, the relief. I remember there's, there's photos of me just two fists in the air looking up at the sky. It was just yeah. relief that, hang on, after... We'll probably get tatted as chokers. Yep. Um, it was such a good feeling, and then 14 with with Bud, Bud going to Sydney. What Sydney had done to us in 2012. That's when you kissed him on the ground. That was when I kissed him on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Cheeky <laughs> Hodgie. That's great. That is great. Don't know why I did that. Still don't know why I did it. Um, that that was a special one. The fact it was the 250th game as well, but more so the fact that. What Sydney done to us two years earlier? Um, obviously, Bud going up there trying to take uh, yep. premiership offers. Um, so it, it almost became personal then. Yeah, oh, the Sydney one, yeah. And, and as I said, the, the kiss of, the kiss for Bud wasn't inspired, wasn't anger. It was more two blokes, no. and, and we've been through a lot. And I think Bud took it the right way. I think yeah. everyone else took it the right way. Not so much when Langers tried to kiss um, McVay earlier this year. Yeah. Don't know how that went across. No. <laughs> um, but that, that was the motivation. Yeah. Uh, and Clarko, talk about blokes motivating motivating players. Um, and I think, to talk about selfless, I think your um, mindset leading in, you're obviously disappointed that you weren't in for that 14 mm. grand final. But I remember in the meeting, you standing up saying how to beat them in the midfield, I mean, how to beat Sydney's midfield with Josh Kennedy and all that. I think that goes back to sort of how we were preaching the team first attitude. Um, but the build up for that game was, remember what they did in 2012. Bud's yeah. gone up there to, to win a premiership, um, to try and take a premiership offers. Um, and it was, it was, it was a bit, it was a bit of revenge. And obviously you don't want to see Bud getting the, a pre we, we saw it two years early with, yeah. with Sydney getting medallions when we had to sit there and watch. Yeah. You didn't want a former teammate to go and do that to you. And then 15? 15 was obviously, it was almost a bit of revenge as well from the, from the first loss. We were written off, um, mm -hmm. we were written off after the West Coast game, we were we were poxing that game. West Coast smashed us, um, but after that, it was like, hey, we've got a point to prove. Yeah. Um, and then we came and had a great game against Adelaide. Went back across, beat Freo over there, which is hard to do. Yeah. And then West Coast, the MCG, we we're never going to lose that. How is it that that you manage that pressure and expectation, um, either via disappointment or the success, the external noise? How do you deal with that yourself? Because you've dealt with that a hell of a lot throughout the entirety of your career in one way, shape or form. Yeah, I guess um, pressure, I think it got to the whole group in 16. Mm -hmm. um, when we lost the final to the Doggies, in that room, there was look on the blokes' faces, it was relief. <laughs> because they've gone through 11 prelim, 12 a grand final, 13, 14, 15 winning. The expectation, I reckon, got to a lot of the players. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, it was draining. Um, so it's weird to say that you've just been kicked out and straight sets out of a finals mm -hmm. um, campaign. But you look on the blokes' faces, was like, oh, thank God that's over. Let's get out of here. Um, 
so in saying that, last year, even though or this year, sorry, this year, even though we didn't make the finals, I had more fun this year playing defence with the young defenders, <laughs> like teaching the Sicily, teaching the Burton yeah. brand, Hardwick. Yeah. I had more fun. I had more enjoyable season this year. Yeah. Playing than what I did in sixteen, um, just because it was it was something different. The pressure wasn't there. It was just hey, go and go and play footy. See what you can do to help the younger guys. Yeah. Um, where sixteen was just a grind all year. We we knew we shouldn't finish top four. Um, we got lucky with three, I think we won five games, one at a goal. Yeah. Um, the Sydney the three in a row with Adelaide, um, Doggies, St Kilda down at Tassie, and all those games we should have lost. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird that when you sort of say that to people, they're like, "You missed the finals. How do you enjoy it?" But the pressure wasn't on. We were just out there trying to improve. And I knew it was my last year at Hawthorne. I, I was trying to help these younger guys. Is the last little thing I can give to to the club. Yeah. Um, yeah, disappointed we didn't make the finals, but Jesus, I still still had a ball doing it. Yeah, you've outlasted so many of your your peers. So not doing pre-seasons does help. Well, <laughs> we have no other ten years. <laughs> hey, so, I did that. my last since '05. I've been consistent. Yeah, please, you do day on day off. Andrew Russell just just feed you through the drills nicely. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> um, uh, the Mitchell Lewis trade last year effect well not yeah probably left you one out with so many of the guys you'd had so much of your career with, notwithstanding Shawnee Burgoyne and, yep. and Grant Birchall. Is it difficult playing when your mates leave a club in either retirement or, or get traded? And you know, you're the captain of the football club, so you've got some idea of, of what's going on. Yeah, I had no idea with those. Hawthorne's best and fairest player, Sam Mitchell, has dropped a trade bombshell, declaring he's set to join the West Coast Eagles. Mitchell will play for West Coast next year and perhaps the next two years. Then he will go into coaching. Now, Mitchell had been talking to the Eagles about an assistant coaching role for a couple of years. He's a close friend with former assistant here, Adam Simpson, who's now coach of the Eagles. The playing angle, though, certainly came from left field. I got a text from Limo. How I found huh. out about Mitch. Yeah, right. Um, everyone knew he was going to Perth with yep. Simo, just as assistant coach. They got along well. And yep. I think it was moved the family over there, which I think uh, Linda was keen to do. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I was shocked. I was like, nah, mate, it's not true. I said, he'll go once, footy, once footy's finished. He'll play yep. it at Hawthorne. I sent a few text messages around. I, just, I wrote one back to him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you might be onto something here. Yeah. So, and then the Louis one was there yeah, a couple of days later and had no idea about that either. Yeah. It just yeah. goes to show that there is still privacy in football. Is secrets can still be kept. Yeah, my word, they can. I mean, you're a guy that prides himself on mateship and being loyal. Is it difficult to keep playing the game when all of your mates drop off? When you outlast so many of the guys you've played so much football with, and and we touched on it before, you're you're the elder statesman, and you're you're playing with a group of kids essentially yeah. that you're you're leading and showing the way. Uh, I guess it all depends on your mindset. Um, once, <clears throat> once Mitch and Louis left, I was pretty flexible with how we're going to go. Yep. Um, so once we started to drop a few games early, I wasn't frustrated because I knew that there was a fair chance this could happen. Getting in Henderson, getting in um, Tommy Mitchell yep. into this team, plus playing younger guys, I knew there might have been a, a fair chance it would struggle early until mm -hmm. we clicked. We ended up clicking about mid-year and then we started playing some good football. Uh, but it was a little bit too late. So I, I was ready for any, any start we're going to have, whether it was up or down. Um, which I guess helped my mindset around the club. It was obviously different. You look around and a lot of the blokes in that change room are closer to my son's age and my age. And you, you start to think, um, their music's different to my music. Their dress sense is a hell of a lot different to my dress yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so obviously I sit next to Birch. Um, spend, I spend probably a lot more time with Birch and Ruffy, and Birch loved his, does live 500 metres up the road. Yeah. Um, but probably spent a bit more time with Ruffy rather than spreading out with the guys. Yeah. Um, and I, I was probably trying to do the same with Ruffy. I was doing the younger guys on, on field. I was trying to teach them a little, or give them little tips on what to do on the footy field. I guess with Ruff, I guess it was giving him little hints on how I've handled things. It might not be the same way as him, but I'd sort of say, this is what I've done in the past. This is what worked, this is what didn't work. And he's going to find it for himself, but any yeah. little area that I could have helped. Um, so I, I did enjoy spending a bit more time with him. Ruffy is one of your best mates, but there must've been a period of time at the start of the year where that friendship was strained a little bit. Some, oh, the start. Been some, some <coughs> tough conversations to be had. You know, you passing on the captaincy to yep. Ruff and then Ruff having to I guess, assert his leadership. On your Friday footy feed, breaking news, Luke Hodge banished to a Box Hill practice match. He won't play in round one. Luke Hodge to miss the Hawks' season opener against Essendon after being hit with a club-imposed suspension. The Hawks say it's because he missed training. I reckon um, him, or the leadership group suspended me for round one yep. made us stronger. Because mm -hmm. when, he, when he sort of mentioned that I, I, I was going to miss the first game, you could sort of see the hurt in his eyes. And... I because I, I know how tough the the, uh, the position is and the, the calls you got to make. Yeah. Um, but I reckon our bond and our, our strength and our friendship has grown from that because um, I knew that it's a tough role and I didn't want to put him in that position. But hmm. um, that was that was done and dusted. And I think it was more of an area that hey, we we are fighting this, we are fighting this, and we're we're pushing together to try and make this club a, a better club. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if I had my time again. I, I wouldn't want to do it, but I'm thankful I did because, as I said, you learn from it, but it's pushed a, a, a good mate to a really, really good mate. Hmm. That's good to hear. Um, have, you, have you learnt more more in football from anyone other than Clarko? Andrew Russell's up there. Yep. Um, I guess he was the... Clark, Clarko teaches you a lot about life and family and, and the bigger picture. Yep. Um, football's, football's a job. It's, it's a, I guess it's a lifestyle for a lot of people out there, but you can't think of it like that as a player. You've got yeah. to do the best you can while you're there, and then when you leave, put the, leave the footy club in a better position than, um, than when you arrived, I guess. Yeah. That's, that's his mindset for it. Andrew Russell was the big one on pushing my professionalism. Yeah. Um, you talk about tough discussions with Mitch and, and with Vanders and with Clarko. Jack was probably the most open when he first got there. So let's just unpack Andrew Russell, because yep. not, he's a name that... Um, Hawthorne people know, but maybe not the football world. So yep. he came to Hawthorne with with Clarko yep. as the the fitness coach or the high performance coach, and is essentially being Clarko's right hand man for the duration of his tenure. Some some say his boss. I've never I've never seen That's anyone. Fantastic. I've never seen Clarko yeah. give so much responsibility to someone um, throughout Besides the preseason. Is it seems like it's Andrew Russell's team as far as he knows what to do to prep because he's had a big history in AFL. Yeah. He's had. He was at Essendon at 93. It just shows how old he was. <laughs> at Essendon, um, you don't have to look at him see the board head. <laughs> Sorry, Jack. Um, he was at Essendon at 93. Then he yep. went across to Port yep. um, and learned a lot of Port because Port finished on top of ladder in 2002, 3 and 4. Yep. Um, but made, and he said he made a lot of errors with training them too hard throughout finals and they were wrecked for, for, the, for the finals campaign. Yep. Um, so he'd been through the ups and downs of premierships of disappointments. And when he got to Hawthorne, um, he sort of said how unprofessional we were and, and he was just a bigger driver as Clarko with, with pushing that. And yep. I guess he was the one who hit me early between the eyes about 
what are you doing? You're not going to get lived. You're not going to, I guess, reach your capabilities. Yeah. Um, was there a point in time where you looked at Clark and basically, I'm not sorry, when you looked at Jack and just thought, you don't know what you're talking about. You're a little fitness coach. Um, You've never played football, that sort of. No, I don't think, because you know, I guess you don't have to play football to, to do his role. He, he, I think I knew what he was saying was right, but as a young 20 year old kid, it's like, oh, you can listen to him or you can listen to the other guys who want to go and have fun and, yep. and, and that. So I think in, inside of me, I knew what he was saying was correct. It was whether it was the, the young 20-year-old um, going to listen to him because I was living my dream. I was playing footy. Um, what, what, what more is there? Um, but I'm, I know, we've joked, we've had, he, he continues to laugh at how many tough discussions we've had over the years and you continue to learn from him because he's always trying to get better and he's always trying to teach people around him. Um, but yeah, he, he's probably the reason why I'm doing the marathon because he said you would never run one. So I thought, well, <laughs> to, prove, to, to prove you wrong, I'll, yeah. I'll do it. But um, but yeah, but he, he's probably someone who I've learned a hell of a lot off just through honest conversations and just before every every training session, I'll be in his office. What are we doing? Why are we doing this? What am I doing? What sessions do you want me to have a crack at? Uh, I got really close to Andrew just because I knew that he was... For, for me to get through this long 16 years of football, yep. I had to work as close as I could with him and Andrew Lambert, the physios, and mm -hmm. that to make sure that I either didn't overtrain, which late in the career was never going to be an issue. <laughs> Supposedly, <laughs> in the career. Please. Um, but yeah, and make sure that, that if I was going to have a crack at a few drills, what drills, because what do I need to prove on for the game, yeah. stuff like that. So I, I worked probably as close as anyone was with Andrew Russell. What, what would you say are Clarko's greatest strengths? He leaves no stone unturned. Um, so the, oh, you, you know what he's like. The, the amount of mornings we've walked in and gone, oh, geez, what's he? He looks like he's hung over. He had the baggy mm -hmm. eyes. He looked like he just got out of bed. Um, but he'd been up looking at tapes. He'd been woke up early in the morning, reviewing games, looking at opposition, goes overseas. I think every coaches do that these days, but he'll go over this, overseas to whether it's NFL, to whether it's basketball, to whether it's soccer, um, to try and see what little bit of their game he can implement into our program or into our game style to try mm -hmm. and make us a better team. I'm still saying us. I'm not a Hawthorne <laughs> player anymore. Into Hawthorne's, yep. into, Hawthorne's, um, into Hawthorne's game style to make them a better club. Yep. And um, and I think that's that's why he comes in. And sometimes he's cranky because he hasn't slept, but his mindset's all, how can we get better? How can he get a better coach? If there is a flaw, he tries to give too much information to his players mm -hmm. because he wants to make sure that there's no stone unturned for that. If he if he knows a bit of information about an opposition and he doesn't give it to the players and that hurts us on the weekend, he thinks it's his fault. Yeah, um, which is a great trait to have, um, just because it just shows how much it means to him. Is it? I mean, why is that or how is that? Because he's had so much so much success. You've had all this success with him. How how difficult is it to remain hungry throughout throughout that period? Um, well, you know what he's like. He he hits you at perfect times to make sure um, that you're ready, and yeah. he'll have a he'll have a go at either um, your pride. He'll have a go at um, I guess your not not your self worth, but wants to make sure that you're you're uh, on edge and ready to go. Mm -hmm. Like the perfect one, perfect one was in South Africa on a preseason camp where he put all the leaders in mm -hmm. um, and had a crack because we didn't help with the bags, and it was the security actually told us to get your bag, get straight on the bus. Yeah. Because um, the security over there was obviously, it's that dangerous over in, um, I think it was near Johannesburg where we, yeah. 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 And um, and security said, grab your bag, get on the bus, don't wait around. Yep. Um, remember looking out and the Clarko and all that, 
were carrying all the bags for Bobby and, and Kenny, the, the property guys. And I remember sitting there going, oh shit, we're, uh, we're gonna cop it here. Yep. And I think he, he used that and he used a few other examples just to bring the leaders in. And that's what he's thinking. If he can put us on edge, make sure we've got to prove mm -hmm. a point that we're still hungry, it's gonna filter through to the rest of the guys. So he's got good tactics that he uses to make sure he might have a go at someone, but it's gonna filter through to 10 blokes. So it's not just the one person yeah. who's been, um, getting him uh, I guess he's getting a reaction from it's the 10 blokes who it's filtering through to it as well. Do you, do you recall having any discussions or conversations with him where you had to push back and just say, Clark, I missed the mark here? And you know, <coughs> some real conflicts or some tension yeah. between you both? Um, well, we had a good meeting in 2011 after the prelim. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we sort of had, I had a few things that the players weren't happy with him. And as I said, when you, when you coach um, or you play, at a football club for yeah. the amount of time that he has and work, that we were, that there's going to be a few areas that you either raffle a few feathers. And yep. I guess as a leadership group, we decided to call him in. Yep. This is after my first year as captain. Yeah, Probably didn't go to plan. I don't <laughs> think um, we had to ask him to leave um, yeah. just for a little bit, just till we got our, our yep. ducks in order. And yep. they already were. We just wanted to start off on a, yep. on a, a, I guess, a better attitude for the meeting. Um, that didn't work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's. I think the reason why we've worked so well as captain and coach over the years is because we've both been willing to have a go at each other and not in spite, it, to do it to make the club a better place, to do it to make the, the, the team a better team. Um, and I think that's the thing is anyone who, there's been times you sit back and go, I've got to say something, you think I'll let it go because it feels like yeah, you're pecking all the time at it. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to a stage where you really need to say something, I think that's the, been the best part because we both know we're doing it to improve the footy club. We're not doing it to have a go at each other. That, that, that conflict and tension's important for successful teams and successful groups? Oh, without a doubt. You can't, I said, when there's 45 players, 10 coaches, it's not gonna be all, uh, everyone's not gonna get along. Everyone's gonna have different point of views about certain things, about yeah. a game style, about selection, about this and that. Um, healthy discussions is when not everyone's, you don't want yes men. Yes men in an organization aren't gonna work. Yeah. Um, you need blokes, you don't want blokes who are stubborn either, and I guess we won't be put into that category. <laughs> um, but you need, you need people who are going to say what they think and, and put their point forward. Sometimes Clark might listen to it, sometimes he won't. But at least they're having the healthy discussion on and, and the honest feedback, which is important. What's your, how would you describe your leadership style? What is your greatest, some of your greatest leadership <coughs> strengths or traits? I think, I think I've changed a lot over time. Uh, mm -hmm. We spoke earlier how I was very upfront, see it, say it yep. kind of person. Um, I probably got a lot of sympathy for guys as I got older. Uh, I probably mellowed a little bit at times, yep. Um, especially towards the end of my career, like this year, as I said, playing with the younger guys was all about teaching. It was all about if they make a mistake, who cares? If they mm -hmm. miss a kick, um, if they miss a handball, who, who cares about it? As long as they're trying to go the right, do the right things by the team. Um, yeah, so I think I think I've changed a lot as a, as a leader over time. Yeah. I've got a bit more understanding for a young guy coming through. Yeah, Hawthorne man's through and through, but very rarely do we see players now be genuinely become one club players over a period of time. Did you ever get close to leaving Hawthorne? Was there ever anything dangled whereby you just had a, took a moment and had to um, think about it? I'd normally signed on prior um, to my contract coming out. Yep. So early, um, that's I'm a bit of a control freak, I guess. I'd like <laughs> to know what, what's going on. Um, but yeah, I, I'd always sign Early, by, by round one normally the, the year I was coming out just mm. so done and dusted off we go didn't really worry towards the end of 2009 um, I just had 
just had Coop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gold Coast were coming out the next year. Yeah. And we wanted a sort of longer deal. Like the money was never, we've never really argued with the club over money. This was more of the, the length of the term. Um, and I was, what was I, 24, 25 after the 2009 season. And I, that was the only year that I, I think I signed a week after the last game. Yeah. Um, and I said, it wasn't, it was more about just the length. The club wanted three, I wanted four. Yeah. Um, both very stubborn and <laughs> not giving up. Um, but yeah, I think that's the only time that it's sort of ever got to the stage of, and, and not that I was looking out anywhere. It was just more the fact that it was probably the longer contract I'd have in my career yeah. at, at 25. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we ended up working it out. Clarko did have a few meetings. We need you to sign. We need to know what's going on. Yeah. Um, I'll, he'll call me around for, for a, a team meeting or what we're going to do on the weekend, and it's all about contract. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, but yeah, but lucky I've never really had that that issue uh, throughout my career. Yeah, and so Mark Evans would have been at Hawthorne then. Yep. Um, and it wouldn't. Am I right in saying it's not the first time Gold Coast uh, might have presented you with an opportunity? There was talk weeks ago about oh. potentially. Was there was there anything in that? <laughs> Sam McClure, um, he. Uh, he didn't even he didn't have a message me. I got a message from Paul Connors. Yeah. I I was running for um, around the tent. Yeah. Um, I got back in the car and I had a heap of messages. I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. And then Paul's like, have you spoken to Mark Evans? I'm like, spoke to him six eight weeks ago maybe just for my 300th game. Yeah. Um, the club put on a bit of a function, so yeah. I, I rang Dougie leading into it and sort of said, hey mate, can you come down? Their games their game was on the Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Or the the twilight game. Um, so that, that was pretty much all the discussion was about and um, and then Paul's like oh because McClure was going with the Yashi to go up there hmm. I'm like I've not spoken to him I saw him after the game because he came down for my last game I saw him in the race for two minutes Yeah. Um, but yeah it was, a, it was a big shock to me as, as anyone yeah, no, no, nothing in it there was not and that's where, that's where I ended up talking to Sam I said mate where'd you get this from he goes oh have the, has he asked you to come up there as an assistant coach I said at the 300th, I said, oh, the weather's warm up there. Jeez, it'd be nice. He goes, well, come up. It'll help your body. Um, but as far as that was about the the seriousness of our, of our chat about it. Yeah. Um, and then he kept going with, oh, so they didn't want you to go on the panel for the to pick the coach. I'm like, yeah. no. Assistant coach or player? I'm like, no. no. <laughs> Nothing. So it had no merit at all. Yeah. Um, the game has changed a lot since we started and now to when you were finishing up. Do you like the place the game is in now? The way the football is played? The scrutiny, the expectations that are beholden upon AFL players now? Um, I love the game. I um, To be going through and getting drafted now, I reckon it's a great game. Obviously, mm-hmm. yes, there's there's the money, there's all the facilities that are great. Yep. Um, but how the game is, I, I, I know they keep changing it, but if, if you get worked up, and I used to be the one who get worked up, they keep changing the rules and you get worked up over it. I think, as I said, I've mallowed it a little bit. You, <laughs> there's no point getting... Um, worked up over that kind of stuff. The game's yeah. going to continue to evolve. They, the coaches are going to bend any rule they can to try and make sure they get an advantage. Yeah. Um, so coming through now, the, the game's in 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 good position, I reckon. Um, you just look at the crowd attendances, look at the facilities, everything um, that the players have to do now is, is they're taken care of really yeah. well. There's nothing you'd change? Um, nothing, nothing major. As I said, the game's... Whether stuck with the rules, um, the coach is going to going to bend it anyway. They're going to look for any, yeah. and it's the same as it's the same as us at training. Any time you could try and bend the rules <laughs> a little bit to get an advantage, you're going to you're going to do it. Coach yeah. is going to continue to do it. So are clubs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I 
I, I really enjoy where it's at. Um, still, still loved playing it. Um, now I get to sit back and watch it from afar and I guess oh. make comments and <laughs> scrutinise other players. <laughs> well, that, that, that's the other thing, as you said, like scrutiny. I can understand um, people going, if blokes out of form, this and that, when, yeah. when they sort of go into their personal life, um, into their, their kids and their wives and do all that kind of stuff, I reckon that, that stretches the mark a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I understand all the all the media stuff. That's They've got to sell papers. They're, they're, players get paid a lot of money these days because of the media rights. So they've got to understand the scrutiny is going to come with that. Um, whether you like it or leave it, that's that's what's going to happen. Uh, otherwise, take back, give back a lot of the money and play for less. I don't think any player is going to do that. Yeah, how quickly you change. Now you're in the media side of things. You're saying that the media need more access. No, no, no. I've, doing... I've, I've always been, I've been captain. You realise that media, you can, you can work, you can use media how you want. Yep. If you're going to deny it, not give them anything, it's probably going to go against you. Or yep. you can help out. You can be kind to them and they'll probably look after you in the long run. Um, but with that, I've, I've always understood that it's going to, it's a big part of the game. It's only going to get bigger. Yeah. Um, but as a, for, for them to pay that much for the media rights, you've got to expect the game's going to be scrutinised. Yeah. Uh, but where I reckon it's a little is when they go into the personal lives of players, it's, yes, look at their brand, look at what they do as... A, as athletes the way they do as players but when it comes to the personal stuff I reckon they've got to leave that alone yeah, that's a great segue what does the next chapter for Luke Hodge look like you've had more of a presence in the media this year and I'd imagine you spend a bit more time at home with the family etc but <laughs> what, what will you be doing what's the next um, chapter oh look I, I reckon at this stage it's looking after kids I've done a lot of school pickups and drop offs yep um, I think Lauren's sick of me at home already <laughs> um, so she'll uh, yeah She'll get me out in the workforce somewhere, but I think the uh, at this stage would be a long lines of the seven, uh, which I've done a lot of work with, and, and yep. Triple M gave an opportunity this year with Friday night. Yeah, um, going doing a bit of work with Juddy uh, on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've really enjoyed that. Yep. Um, but I think once you finish finish footy, you need a little bit of downtime. You you can't jump straight into something. You need to sort of sit back, enjoy it. Yep. Um, but yeah, I guess time will tell. I've got a bit of spare time now. So I might catch you for a few more coffees. I'm happy to. More than happy <laughs> to. You don't do much, do you? Uh, I like drinking coffee. <laughs> um, a coaching? Um, two years ago, I would have said no. <clears throat> two years ago, I would have said no. Yep. But um, Sorry, bugging my throat. Um, <clears throat> but doing the work with, with the younger guys last year, I, as I said earlier, I said I enjoyed that more than 2016. Yep. Just teaching. Uh, I did a bit of work at Xavier as a... As a as an assistant coach of the 10 A's. Yep. Um, and that's just stuff that we take for granted that we've learned along the, along the line, just giving kids hints on positioning and where to stand on tricks at the stoppage. Yep. Uh, I really enjoyed that side of things. Um, I don't think I'd go straight into assistant coaching. Um, as I said, I think once you finish footy, you need a little bit of time out. But yeah. it's definitely grown on me the last 12 to 18 months. Yep. Hi, sorry to interrupt. Emily Angwin here. I just wanted to remind you of some of our other episodes of the Talking Footy podcast. There's Michael Barlow. And I get emotional and pretty stirred up. Probably, I probably do get my back up because I'm getting pretty emotional about talking about it now because we've got good people there from Lynch and May to Solomon to Mark Evans who's come in and he said it's not turn it all on its head and start again. We've got so much positivity in that place to be able to, to create something special. Chris Fagan. Yeah, it's funny, I, I jump off a plane now and at Melbourne Airport and you see people pointing, oh, that's the coach of Brisbane. You know, when you go to Brisbane, no one knows who the coach of Brisbane is. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, it is good. Brendan McCartney. Ryan deciding to leave you know, for whatever reason. I'm still probably a little bit in the dark, to be honest on it. But I respect the fact that as a grown man, he made a decision that 
seems that was the tipping point. Make sure you check them out and be sure to leave us a review. It's easy. Jump on iTunes, search Talking Footy Podcast and give us a rating. Also, feel free to let us know who you want to hear from next on Twitter using the hashtag TalkingFootyPod. Thanks for listening. I'll let you get back to it. I'm just going to throw some names at you. <coughs> yep. And I just want the first word that comes into your mind. Okay. You're not allowed to think. I don't think much, mate. I don't think much anyway. Whatever comes out. Um, we'll start nice and easy. Uh, Silrioli. He's a freak. Do you want just one word comments or a bit of a, a sentence or? Well, just a first thought first that comes thing. in your mind, right? Rough head. Good country bike. Mitchell. A stubborn, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very stubborn, but very determined. He knew what he wanted from an early age yep. and he did everything he could to get there. I've never seen someone work on his game as much as what he has. Brian Lake. Different cat. <laughs> <laughs> but every footy club needs him. Josh Gibson. Uh, Gibbo. Um, I guess he's out there. He's a bit of a lair. Yeah. Um, he's, I guess is a different one. What you see, Gibbo is not really what you get. He, he puts on this bravado. Yeah. Um, you sit down and have a, have a chat with him. He's, he's a very calm person. Um, I think take away the, the social media side of things and he's a very different person to what people th- what people see. Alistair Clarkson. Very competitive little man. Karen Clarkson. The boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, Jeff Kennett. Uh, driven. Someone who he sees he sees a goal where he wants to put a footy club or, or something and he'll do anything to get it there. Paul Connors. Very helpful. Uh, Paul got me as a 17-year-old kid, mm-hmm. uh, and that with a lot of people. Mallow, Hoff, I do a lot of work with as well with, with at, at Paul's, but yep. they've taught me so much about life as as playing football or doing that. that Lance, kind of stuff. Lance Franklin. Uh, he's a freak. It's similar to similar in a different way. It's just a bloke who's that tall. Yeah. That, and I guess he moving to Sydney was the best thing ever for him. I think got him out of the media spotlight down yep. here. And up there, he's an AFL player, and they don't really care about AFL up there. Who was the best player that you played with? Natural talent, or let's start with natural talent. Natural talent would be Bud. For for someone who would go out the night before a two point two and then run it and come second. Um, so that that suggests that he wasn't the best player that you played with. Oh, he's still going as well. Yeah. He uh, he. There's no doubt he's. I've put a a, a bunch of probably three or four that are there, which would include Mitch, yep. Cyril, Bud, and probably Croft. Um, just the fact that, talk about an ultra professional, would do everything. Um, I still remember him, he would start, would do 150s and he would start 10 seconds after everyone else and still beat me. Hmm. Um, or we'd have to do eight and then you'd see him afterwards, he'd over there do 10. A- Andrew Russell ended up having to say to Croft, oh, if he wanted him to do 10, you're only doing eight today, mate, because he yep. knew he'd do the extras because that, that's just how he got so good. Was there a team you disliked playing against more than anyone else? Um, I was never a fan of Port Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess North, North Hawthorne, they've got a good rivalry. They don't like each other. But I think Port Adelaide more the fact that what they did to us early on. Yep. I remember over there in 2002, 2003, they were good. Like I said, they finished on top of the ladder, probably could have went through and um, pushed for flags. That's how good their, their team was. They won in 04. But yep. I remember over there and they were Beltners by about 100 points and it was peeming down rain. It was absolutely bucketing down. 
and they'll just go past and just rub your nose, like elbow you, like you're 50 metres off the ball, they'll yeah. run past, put a forearm in the back. It was just when you went to play Port Adelaide, especially over there, they, it was just going to be a grind for, for a whole game. For two hours, it was mm-hmm. just going to be a full-on grind. Like mm-hmm. They would verbally give it to you. They would physically give it to you. They are 100 points up and they wouldn't stop. And I think that's why they were such a good team back there. But it's also stuck in my mind when we've had good wins against Port. Yeah. It's always been nice. Last couple. What advice would you give to your 20-year-old self? <laughs> oh, there'd be a lot. <laughs> um, I'd say, listen. Listen a lot more than what you did. Yeah. Um, I've already sort of said the people you'd, you'd follow around. Um, but there, there's so much knowledge in a football club. And as a younger bloke, I didn't tap into it enough. Um, ask questions, there's no silly questions. Uh, I knew the football side of things, but I, if, if I could tell a younger version of myself to mm-hmm. just listen a lot more, ask questions and just try and soak in the people around you because there's so many good people around at a football club, try and utilize it. Of all of your um, achievements and accolades, is there one that you're most proud of? Is there something that... Um, being a premiership captain is something that, because yes, playing in a, in a premiership is, is good, but to, you know, it's like being in a leadership group and grinding away. Um, there's so much goes on behind the scenes that I didn't realise before I got in the leadership group or before I, I become captain, as far as all the meetings, the catch ups with Clark goes, the Clark goes phone call on your day off when you look at it and go, oh, this is going to be two hours. Um, just because he wants to bounce around ideas, so much goes in behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so to stand up there as a premiership captain, be able to do it a, a few times, was something that I'm extremely proud of, and be able to control or have a have a helping hand in keeping a group of guys stay focused after so much success for yeah. blokes to turn up day one of preseason and have another point to prove. Um, I'm proud of not not only what I've but also the leadership group and what they've been able to do as well because it's it's you're pushing six blokes effectively do the same job as what I do. I'm just the, the, the face of it, I yeah. guess, as, as captain. But all the guys for us to be able to be motivated year in, year out for so many years is something that I'm pretty proud of as, yeah. as a group. When when was the last time Luke Hodge cried? Have you seen... There was a Will Smith, Will Smith movie. Um, he's an old... What's, what is it? An old 40-year-old guy. I'll have to look it up. Um, I was sitting down there. It was, it was a one where he was sitting in... Uh, he didn't couldn't afford any, a mo- yeah, couldn't I know afford exactly. money. Um, I know exactly what you're thinking of. Um, starts with P. Uh, we'll cu- we can cut this out of the thing anyway. But I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, look it up. No, I'll have and, to. And then I'll finish the story. <laughs> look it up. We'll be able to cut out that anyway. What, uh, what will you be doing in 20 years' time? Um, sorry, I'm, I can't go on without doing we'll, this movie. We'll find it. You answer that question and I'll find it. Uh, 20 years' time. Uh, hopefully, I'm still involved in the game somehow. Yep. Um, yeah, whether it's commentary or whether it's some form of coaching, mm-hmm. um, I'd be love to be. So I'm just looking it up here. <laughs> this to see how uh, the pursuit of happiness. There it is. There you go. So last time I cried, yeah, I might have shed a tear. I got glassy eyed. Yeah. Um, was watching the pursuit of happiness. It was at the stage. I know exactly when it was. Obviously, having three boys myself, he couldn't afford to get a hotel room and they yeah. slept in a in the bathroom at a train station or something like that and it was a little bit of a, on the heartstrings so I, i'm not i thought i might have after the last game but i was actually okay yeah. um yeah so i think the last time was was watching that movie and anytime <laughs> it comes on now i've got to turn it off <laughs> so last one what do you want to be remembered for um 
I, I guess more so what, what we achieved. Um, will th- a three-peat ever be done again? I think in today's game is going to be very hard. Yeah. Um, and as I said, it's more the attitude of the guys. Um, yeah, we made a lot of mistakes we learned from them. Um, I'd say what be, to be able to be in charge of a group who were, were resilient, didn't give up, and was able to play in four grand finals in a row, um, it just shows, I think, their mental strength, not only the ability, but the mental strength of being able to back up time and time again, because yeah. the, the game's not meant for that to happen. Yeah. Luke Hodge, great to have a chat. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Brad. See you soon. We're talking footy.